morning, Harvest, and thank you for joining us this morning as we continue our series on encountering Christ. We've looked at uh, a few different stories in the Gospels of where, where different people encountered Christ, and there was two different results. A few weeks ago, we looked at the story of the woman at the well, where Jesus comes to her and he offers, us, offers her this beautiful hope of a water that she will never be thirsty for again. Last week, Matt spoke on the rich young ruler, a rich young ruler who came and said, what must I do to be saved? And I've kept all these commandments from my youth. And he, he poses to Jesus' question. And when, call, when God calls him to a response, he walks away empty-handed. The story today is a beautiful story, amazing story that is, walks in such polar opposite direction of the story of the rich young ruler. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the Christian uh, the Christian home and a Christian church. And I grew up since I was a child going to church like seven to eight days a week. I grew up with flannel boards and flannel graphs and Awanas and Boys Brigade and programming and Sunday school. And for my whole life, I heard all these beautiful miracles that Jesus performed as he walked on his ministry. I remember hearing of, of Jesus healing the blind and Jesus causing the deaf to hear and Jesus healing the lame to walk. And for so many years, for so many years, even, even recently, finding some of those stories start to lose their impact in my life. I started to become callous, not, not to my belief in the story, but to the impact that that story has in my life. Now, reading over Mark 10 and, and verse 46, we could gloss over the story of Bartimaeus. We could look past the short story and see its impact and see Jesus in the story, but, but not, necessi- not necessarily see the impact in our own lives. So let's look at the story a little bit more, but before we do that, let's open in a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We're thankful that we can see you heal and bring healing to the broken. God, we thank you that, that you are here and present with us. I pray that your word is heard amongst all else, that I am nothing more than just a vessel for your word to be made known, for your love to be made manifested, and for your grace to be spoken in truth. God, thank you for this morning. So open your Bibles with me for Mark 10. We're going to start at verse 46. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Then Jesus stopped, and he said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, go on your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. In the book of John, it says if we were to write all the things that Jesus did, the whole world would not have enough room to fill all the books, to hold all the books. This story is repeated in three of the Synoptic Gospels, and it's, it's a short, beautiful story that needs time. And, and we need to sit back and look at the details because God is in the details, and this story has some amazing details. What's important for me to understand is the full context of what's going on here. When we look at the very first verse, it says, they came to Jericho, And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, let's stop there for a second. First thing to note is it's really interesting for me that uh, there is a Canaanite Jericho, the Jericho from the book of Joshua that had fallen. 
and then a Herodia Jer uh, Jericho that was rebuilt. And it, there's basically twin cities. So as he was, you could leave one Jericho and come into the next Jericho within the same day. Um, ge geographically, it's really interesting to note that Jericho is en route to Jerusalem. So to get to Jerusalem, you're going to have to go through Jericho, which was a huge stop and a popular stop because in between Jericho and Jerusalem was Samaria. And the Jews didn't want to stop. If you remember the story of the Good Samaritan, they weren't super close. So they would stop, they would have their night sleep, they would gather the possessions, they would fill their carts, and they would make their way to Jerusalem. But Jericho was a big stop, was a busy place. Another thing to note is Jericho being in a valley of Jordan, just over top, as you leave Jericho, over top is a small town called Bethany. Bethany was probably not the most well-known town, but during that time it would have been really well-known as one of the greatest miracles where Christ raises Lazarus from the dead. Very public miracle, very well known. In fact, if this was social media, it would have been shared and retweeted 14 million times in a matter of hours. Everybody was aware of it. It was at this point in Jesus' career, as he's making his way to Jerusalem, as he's making his way to the cross, that Jesus is in Jericho, but he is nearing the end of his healing ministry, nearing the end of his miracles ministry. He had been very public. He had been teaching and healing and preaching and moving, and thousands upon thousands of people were either witness or have heard of his miracles at this point. The word has spread, and his name is getting more notice. In fact, if you just take your Bibles and flip through the, the pages backwards, you'll see there the, uh, the, the paralytic who was healed and the casting out of demons into the pigs and the woman at the well, the feeding of the 5,000 walking on water or, or healing the synagogue official's daughter, uh, miracle after miracle after miracle, Christ is well known. And as we consider the circumstances here, uh, Passover is coming in a week's time and there is this healing man that is claiming to be Messiah from town to town, proclaiming the works of God and that himself, the son of God. People are well aware and they're well known. So this great crowd is a great crowd. In fact, it's not just followers. There are, there are believers. There are the 12 disciples. There are deniers. There are Pharisees. There are curious onlookers. There are people just waiting to see the next miracle, waiting to see the next move. It's interesting here when we see Bartimaeus enter this scene. So take a minute with me and picture Bartimaeus, and we know very little at this point outside of the fact that he is in the gravel and he is blind. Uh, he is the son of Timaeus, Bar Timaeus means son of Timaeus, and he is sitting on the ground and you hear these hordes of people, picture him, put yourself in his shoes, hordes of people coming down the road. And as they pass you, this mass of people, he's leaning out saying, who is this? What's going on? Uh, who's coming by? Help me, tell me what's going on. We see that somebody leans over and says, it's Jesus of Nazareth. It's Jesus of Nazareth. I want to pause here because the, the next verse, it says that Bartimaeus begins to cry out. He cries out. If we look at the word in Greek used for cry out, it's, it's kradzo, um, and, and some translate shout, but a better translation of the word would be scream. We, we see the word in Mark 15. If you flip a few pages, you see Mark 15, and the, they, they use the word scream as a scream, as a crowd screams out, crucify him, crucify him. Only only five chapters away, we see Christ going to the cross. We see Satan warping his way through the crowds and making them turn their hearts to yell, crucify him, crucify him. 
That word kradzo is in, it's that passionate, deep, heart-wrenching scream from your gut. So the word of God says that, that Bartimaeus is sitting in the gravel. He hears that Jesus of Nazareth is here, and what does he say? He actually turns the page, he flips a switch here. He doesn't scream, Jesus of Nazareth. No, he screams out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus replaces the title that he's heard, replaces the title he's been given, and it puts on Christ his proper title, son of David, coming Messiah, chosen one, king, God. Bartimaeus uses the most common title that the Jews gave to the coming promised Messiah, the son of David. He doesn't hesitate it, but he sits in the gravel and he screams it through the crowd. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, the the three points there, one, it acknowledges the lineage from David. The second one, that is, it shows his right to claim the throne as as in the lineage of the King David, the, the throne for the King of the Jews. <laughs> and three, the messianic king. It recognizes the words of the prophets for the messianic king, the son of David. Let's step back for a minute and consider Bart's place in culture at this point. Bart is on the outside. He is lesser than. Probably only thought of maybe equal to or a little bit over the tax collector at this time. He is not loved, not cherished, not cared for, expelled, rejected, despised and alone, he is left broken, hungry, dirty, and displaced. He is at the bottom of the human ladder, the bottom of the social ladder, and in Jewish culture, they considered him to be a cursed man, under a divine curse, because all of the blindness was a penance for his sin. He did not require mercy, he did not get mercy, and he did not deserve mercy, according to Jewish culture. Interesting here, you can get a note from John MacArthur, and he says when Christ looks at the Pharisees and he calls them the blind, leading the blind, this is a severe slur against the Pharisees. What they are seeing as a divine curse in the blind, Christ is pointing out that even in their sight, they were the cursed, leading the cursed. Interesting, in verse 48, we can see here that those who are following Christ are following because they're aware of his miracles. Following me, this is, this is such a big crowd. There's a little man named Zacchaeus, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. You may know that song. This was a crowd that, this is where Zacchaeus was looking down over the crowd, trying just to see Jesus. This crowd was following him because they were aware of his healing ministry. They were aware, aware of his ability to heal and perform miracles. Yet, they're also aware that Bartimaeus is a blind, broken beggar sitting there, desperate for Jesus, desperate for help. And what is the response? In verse 48, we see the three words, they rebuke him. They try to silence him, following a man that claims to be Messiah, Messiah, healing, doing miracles. They see a broken, blind beggar screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they rebuke him. Enough! Quiet! Let me tell you, when I read through that, I, was, I found myself broken. Those that followed Christ that day, me myself claiming to be a follower of Christ, 
passing by the broken, the needy, the desperate, the sick, the fallen, the crying out for mercy, and my focus is so often glued on the next thing that Christ will do for me, the next thing that I'll get to witness in my life to see Christ do. So focused on this that I miss that, that I miss what I am called for. A difficult visual for me as I wrestle through a broken world knowing that there are many in my life, many that we will pass by at the grocery store that will call out, that need mercy, that are broken, that are blind, that we could sit with, but we're so focused, so focused over here that we miss over here. The second half of verse 48 is such a sweet story. It's such a sweet part to this story for me because at this point, Bartimaeus is used to this. I mean, this is, this is his playbook. He's fine with it. He has been outcast. He has been despised. He's been rebuked a large part of his life. It doesn't even phase him. It literally rolls off his back. He shrugs it off. And what does the scripture say? It says, he just shouts out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He's not distracted. He is not broken even more. He is not quieted. He is not silenced. In his, in his rebuke, he just calls out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. If this was a movie, uh, here's the part where the, the music quickly fades and the focus shifts. Picture this with me, for, if you will, for a second. Just picture yourself in the crowd, shuffling feet, people talking, beggars screaming, people rebuking, following a man, and all of a sudden, Jesus stops. And the crowd stops. The wind changes, and there's a shift in the atmosphere, and, and everything around him just shifts as Christ turns, and he looks. He looks through a crowd of, of people that despise, people that are uncaring, people that are that are broken, he looks through them at a man who is calling for mercy, calling son of David. And he says, call him to me. He looks past the crowd of believers. He looks past the crowd of curious onlookers to see the brokenness that was calling Messiah. And he says, call him to me. Let's read from verse 49. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. What selfishness. I just feel like I can picture their tone shift. Oh my goodness, he's gonna do something. He's gonna do another miracle. I gotta be involved. I gotta see it. I'm following for a reason. Take heart, jump up, go see him. What selfishness. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, or Rabboni, which means master, let me recover my sight. And Jesus says to him, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I'm reminded of the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. What do you want me to do for you? What an amazing question. And for those who are sitting in this massive crowd, I'm sure they're thinking, he's blind. He, he doesn't want to be blind. 
At first sight, you think the question is obvious, he's blind, but Jesus isn't asking the question because he doesn't know what's ailing him. In fact, just scroll up the page, you can see in Mark 10, you can go right up to verse 37, verse 36 and 37, that uh, James and John are asking Jesus, will you do something for me? And he says, what? What do you want me to do for you? They said, I want to sit at the left and right-hand side of the Father. When Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? They want elevation. They want status. They want prominence in the kingdom. Jesus was asking Bartimaeus, uh, what do you want? Do you want authority? Do you want money? Do you want revenge on those who are around you? Do you want control? Do you just want comfort? What do you want? And Bartimaeus simply, from the beginning, says, I want mercy. I want mercy. Rabbi, master, let me recover my sight. Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. What an incredible request, followed by an incredible response, and again, followed by an incredible action. What do you want? Master, I want to see. Go on your way. Your faith has healed you. And then Bartimaeus says, I will follow you. Bartimaeus shows an act of humility and submission, and he calls for mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is what we cannot earn. Mercy is what we do not deserve. He's not saying, God, please do this for me and I'll do that for you. He's not saying, I earned this, I deserve this. He's not saying, I kept all these commandments as my youth. He's not saying, what must I do to be saved? He's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I've got nothing. I can do nothing. I can earn nothing. Recognizing Christ for who he was, giving him the title, he boldly approaches the throne and he says, Master, let me recover my sight. Unlike the rich young ruler, there was nothing in this world that can contend with Christ for Bartimaeus. When Jesus tells him to go away, he leaves his cloak, he leaves his illness, he leaves everything to follow Christ. Let me ask you this, for those of us who have claimed Christ as our God, how often have we lost sight of the cross? You'll notice the words he says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Let me regain my sight. How many times have I lost sight of the cross? Has disease, sin, frustration, wants, needs, desires in this life made me lose sight of his glory, of his plan, of his purpose, of his message, and of his calling in my life? I can't tell you how many times in my life I have let the pleasures and distractions of this world overwhelm me or even in where I'm thinking in my own goodness, I'll let, I'll let the darkness of the world and the sin of this world frustrate and overwhelm and anger me and all of a sudden focused on all the trappings of this world and the cross just grows dim. I'm encouraged by the words in another old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, help me to regain my sight, my sight of your purpose in my suffering, of your plan in my waiting, of your power in my weakness, of your glory in my salvation, and of your purpose on the cross. God, help me to see once again the first love that I've forsaken. Help me to regain my sight. What an amazing story. And as I read through it, there's four things that stand out that give me some direction, that give me some hope and some focus on how I can replace 
that what's lost and replace and help recover my sight. There are four things that Bartimaeus did when he encountered Christ that changed everything. The first one we see in verse 47 is that he just cries out. We don't see a spirit of timidity here in in Bartimaeus. We do see brokenness. We do see blindness. We do see a downtrodden, outcast, homeless beggar that's considered under a divine curse because of sin. We do see that, but we don't see a spirit of timidity. We see a man that recognizes Jesus for who he is. The son of David, the Messiah, the coming king, God. And we see him scream out for mercy. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. Son of God, just just come. Bartimaeus was broken and he knew it. He just wanted healing from the Messiah. So he called out. And all he could do was cry. And Jesus heard his cries. Have you ever been broken? Are you more broken now? Uh, Could you relate to the blindness of Bartimaeus? Have, Have you been stuck so deep in your sin that you can't see your way out? Have you fallen so deep into your own debt that you can't see your way out? Have you been in a broken and hurting marriage that you can't see your way through? Are you suffering with mental health? Or are you suffering with disease? Are you suffering with loneliness and anxiety and fear and so bound by your suffering that you can't see tomorrow? That the things of this world are not growing strangely dim, but they're overwhelming and pressing down and crushing. And you can't see your way out. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want to regain my sight. Are you calling out to Jesus so you can regain your sight and refocus on the cross once again? The second one that stands out is that he is so persistent and he presses in and calls out. In the short story, so many things stick out, but one that I just love and it hits me is the moment where rebuke and discouragement and attack comes in and he just silences it by shouting out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And they come and they attack. Son of David, have mercy on me. He is not distracted or held back by the distractions of the world around him. He just sees Jesus and he yells and calls and screams to Jesus, have mercy on me. Have you ever felt rejection? Have you ever felt rebuke or felt silenced in your pain? Have you, have you ever had the experience where your hurt and brokenness and your need increases and those around you are gone, they just decrease and you have so little left and you're discouraged? Well, then call out all the more. When you cry out to Jesus, distractions are going to come. So just call out all the more. Be persistent and press in discouragement is going to come. So call out all the more. Be persistent and press in. Doubt is going to come. So call out all the more. Be persistent and press in. Don't let discouragement stop you from calling out to Jesus. The third one, and this is such a cool four words. It's such an amazing four words. It just says he tossed off his cloak. We can quickly gloss over that and just see a homeless piece of clothing laying on the floor, but there's so much more there. This stands in such stark contrast to the rich young ruler who approaches Christ with a, with a wealth of accumulation, and he says, what must I do? And Jesus says, you've got to love me more than all that stuff. 
You gotta love me more. You gotta follow me more. You gotta want me more than everything you've got. You've gotta be willing to get rid of that to follow me. And what does Bartimaeus do? He jumps to his feet and he throws off his cloak and he follows Jesus. What was that cloak? Well, at night, that would have been his comfort. It would have protected him from the cold at day. It would have protected him from sandstorms and from the burning sun. During his begging moments, he would have put it out, and that's where they would, they would have put the money so they wouldn't have to touch him. That was his protection, his comfort, his economy. The only thing he had, the only earthly possession, but he jumps to his feet. He throws it all behind him, and he chases Christ. So what are you holding on to and what am I holding on to? What is my comfort? What is my safety? What is my protection that I'm holding on to so I can't run after Christ because the weight of it is too heavy? What are the sins that I'm unwilling to toss aside? What is the greed and the pride and the selfishness and the lust and the perversions of my heart that I don't want to expose, I don't want to bring to the cross, I don't want to give up so I can't come when he calls because I hold on to it. What are you unwilling to toss aside? I question myself, am I the rich young man who chooses to walk away? One of the few stories in the gospel, one of the only stories I believe that if we see someone approach Christ and walks away in a worse condition, is everything you've accumulated in your heart and in your pockets too dear to approach Christ? Reminds me of another song, All I Once Held Dear and Built My Life Upon. All the world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss. Spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you. The last one is the idea that he just said it. Now, I want to clarify, I am not saying this is a name-it-and-claim-it situation. I am going the opposite route of that. This isn't about asking God for what we need or what we want. It's about admitting to ourselves before God who we are in our broken, sinful state and that we desperately need the healing mercy of Jesus. I'll promise you we are not introducing any new information to a sovereign God over the universe. In Isaiah 65, 24, we can say that he knows our prayers before they even hit our lips. We aren't bringing something new to God. He's not asking us for information he doesn't know. We are simply being faithful and obedient by submitting to God, coming before God humbly and exposing our weakness, admitting by our flesh that we are broken, that we are blind, that we cannot see, that we need the mercy of God, that which we cannot earn, we cannot buy, we cannot offer. We just, we need his mercy. The word of God says that God opposes the proud. When we hold in our hearts uh, that we are good enough, that we are strong enough, that we are, we are uh, good enough Christians to work on our own sin, to heal our own broken marriage, to, to work on our own economy, or struggles with the economy, that we, we can do it all. We've left no space. Our pride has so overwhelmed us, and, and the Bible says that God opposes the proud. We stand in opposition to a God that wants to give us everything when we give it to him. We need to come humbly before the throne of God, the King of Kings, and say, God, I'm just too broken. I'm too blind. I cannot see. I cannot stand. God, have mercy on me. What an amazing story. Only a few verses 
a story repeated in all the synoptic gospels with a clear intention to get to our hearts. As Christ walks by, we see Bartimaeus call out, Son of David, giving him the title of Messiah, recognizing Jesus for who he is. Have you done that today? Have you recognized Jesus for who he is? He cries out, mercy. I need something I can't earn. I don't deserve. I need your mercy. Have you come to the cross saying, I need you? I can't earn it. I need you, Jesus, to give me mercy. And Jesus asked, what do you want? And he just said it. He just said, I want to be healed. And upon that, Christ says, you are saved. You are healed. Your faith has made you well. Do you know Jesus this morning? If you don't know him, recognize Christ for who he is. Confess your sins and that you are in deep need of mercy and that we are broken, we are sinners, we are blind, and we are desperate for healing, uh, knowing that he will heal you, not because he has to, but because he loves you. God is calling you through the crowd. He's calling you, come. Stand up, throw off your cloak, and come for healing. Come for salvation. Leave all that's behind you. Come to the unknown and let me fill that void. Do you know Jesus? Have you known him for years and decades like myself and at times have lost the incredible power of these stories, the incredible nature of what Jesus did when he encounters us in person? We need to be reminded that we need to call out to Jesus to regain our sight to regain our focus on the cross, to press in persistently in prayer, to shrug off the discouragement and call out all the more, to toss our cloak for whatever is holding on, that whatever we are holding on to and whatever is holding us down and to cry out, Jesus, come heal me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, we are thankful that we get to witness your actions both in our lives and through the word of God. We're thankful that you've given to us your word that is alive and active. God, I pray that our hearts are continued to transform to you, God, that we can release the things of this world, that we can throw off our cloaks. God, that, that we approach you and say whatever you want from us is yours. God, you are the living water. God, you do heal the blind, you do heal the deaf, you do heal the lame, and you also heal our hearts. God, I pray that you transform us. Show us your grace, God. Thank you so much for what you've brought this morning. Thank you so much for your word and the truth in your word. God, we love you. We are thankful for you. Amen. Amen.